Welcome to On Texas Football Longhorn live stream, and welcome to the University Co-op. I'm alongside Rod Babers here, Jerry. Look Hammond. at the hat! Look at the hat Rod's got on. <laughs> Represent, baby. I love it. <laughs> Take that, Brad. You're on Basketball, Also, welcome to the 2023 Texas Longhorn football season. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Longhorns face Rice tomorrow at DKR at 2:30. Uh, Rod Babers, we're going to talk about our predictions, uh, what we got going on tomorrow. Also, a little bit of news in the sports world today. SMU, Stanford, Cal, they all look like they're headed to the ACC. Uh, SMU is going to forego nine years of revenue in television revenue. Now, I think they only make like $5 million a year right now. So $45 million they're going to forego uh, overall. Uh, should be really interesting about what goes on here. Uh, but, uh, Rod, do you have any thoughts about SMU joining a major conference? Is that going to affect Texas at all? Uh, no, I don't know if it's going to affect Texas, but for SMU, I think it's a good move. I mean, guys, now we have basically the power four. Remember, we talked about this for the last few decades. There's going to be four power conferences, and SMU just made a move. Now, this is a long-term investment. They're going to lose money in the short term, but a long-term investment so that they could be a part of that power four going forward. And honestly, SMU, let's be honest, guys, we didn't think they would be. We, when we counted out the 60, was it 68 teams now that's right. a part of this thing? We did, I don't think any of us thought 10 years ago that SMU was going to make it into that group. And they basically found a way to make it into that group. I, I give a lot of props to their leadership. I think for them it's a really good move. Uh, also news coming out, uh, Dominic McKinley, the uh, five-star defensive lineman out of Lafayette, Louisiana, is expected to choose Texas A&M at 3.30 today over Texas. Wow. Uh, over uh, Oklahoma as well as uh, LSU. Uh, but Zena Umiozulu, defensive end out of Allen, announced earlier today that he's announcing his decision on September 6th next week. He'll be at the Texas game this weekend. Okay. So that's a, that's a good hit. That's potentially a good lick for the Longhorns. Also in news, Nick Saban announces that Jalen Milrow is the starter uh, for the University of Alabama. Oh, here we go. So we know, the, mm. we know who it is that uh, the Longhorns are going to be going up against uh, in uh, uh, Tuscaloosa a week from now, Rod, uh, your thoughts on Jalen Milrow at uh, at Alabama? Um, you know what? This is one of the things I think we were a little concerned about. We actually had a texter bring it up. It was a great point. We had uh, we talked about it in the chat and, and got into it where you know Texas doesn't really have a quarterback on the roster that can simulate. Uh, what a, the, the challenges a dual-threat quarterback will present. They don't have that. Uh, we have, they got quarterbacks with golden arms, with a ton of arm talent like Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy, you know, Arch Manning. Maybe Arch Manning could be that guy. No, no. I heard he ran 20 <laughs> miles per hour. But <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I don't think they have that on their roster. So if you're Alabama, that's a built-in advantage that the first time Texas will be seeing a true dual threat, if you consider Jalen Miro to be that, will be in that game versus Tuscaloosa. Sometimes it takes uh, you know a quarter or two to get used to that speed and get used to that athleticism at that position on defense. I will also be taking your questions this hour here at the co-op. Uh, they've got uh, some nice uh, refreshments here. If anybody happens to stop by, please get them. Some people out here, please feel free. Nice. Uh, also, uh, by the way, uh, Jerry, I want to get back to you on Dominic McKinley and Zena Umiozulu. Your take on the uh, recruiting situation right now, Longhorns sitting at 16 verbal commitments. Yeah, I think uh, Texas, look, uh, nothing's changed for me. Uh, Dominic uh, commits the A&M as expected here in about 15 minutes. Texas will recruit through the whistle. Uh, we'll see what happens. Look, uh, this staff doesn't move off their A-list guys. We know that. Wardell Mack scheduled to be in Austin tomorrow. Uh, see what Wardell has to say after Florida uh, looks disastrous, losing to Utah without um, their starting quarterback, Cameron Rising. So Florida's uh, schedule the rest of the way is not friendly either. Uh, Zena, you know, I have had an RPM in for Texas for a long time on Zena, and I'm not backing off that heading into his decision. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I think Texas is – hey, look, Brandon Baker coming up, Ryan Wingo, Kobe Black uh, decision should be coming here this month. I think Texas has a big lead there for the five-star Waco Connolly. Uh, Justin Wells will be at his game tonight. I think Texas is fine on the recruiting front. They're going to recruit through the whistle, like I always say. Yeah, people, Texas fans, well, I know this channel's blown up. Inside Texas has gotten a lot bigger. But look back at the 2022 class, see how Texas stayed on their A-list guys, and they walked away with a really good class, a top-five class. We'll see if Texas gets a top-five class three years in a row. That's going to come down to how many five-stars they actually sign. Uh, but it's, I had a little comment on the SMU, too. 
I thought the SMU thing, I don't think that's necessarily going to hurt a Texas or AM or Oklahoma. Not that they won't be on some lists, but I do think it hurts Oklahoma State, potentially Baylor a little bit in Texas, adds more competition on the recruiting front to those schools because SMU is in DFW and then Dallas. TCU. How about yeah. them? Yeah. I mean, would you rather go to school at TCU or SMU? I mean, if you're a Dallas area guy, you got to figure that out, right? Yeah, we came for TCU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Col- got Colorado. Dion. They're going sma- to smack Rod's guy this weekend. I'll give Rod 29 and a half right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's let's talk a little bit about the Texas-Rice game now. Um, I think we've all predicted, whether rightfully so or not, that Texas is probably going to handle business on Saturday. Um, the question is how quickly and how well. Um, are y'all looking for anything in particular this week? Jerry, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. Uh, first down run defense is huge for me. Um, getting Rice behind the chains, uh, making a pocket quarterback have to play on the move in second and long and third and long situations, I think is the key defensively for Texas. If Texas wins on first down, I think they'll win on third down in this game with pressures and uh, defensive backs that I think are going to be hunting the football and hungry. Uh, offensively, Look, Texas just has to own the line of scrimmage. They need to be able to run the ball when they want to run the ball against the Rice defensive front that should not stand up to Texas. Uh, That is something I'm looking for because if you struggle winning the line of scrimmage in the run game Saturday, well, you're headed to Tuscaloosa the following Saturday. It's big. Yeah. Ron, what do you think you look Um, for? uh, Similar to Jerry, I'm looking for uh, turnovers, takeaways by the Texas defense. You know, I didn't realize until I started doing some deep diving. Rice led college football last season in turnovers. They had 32 of them. They, they caused them or they gave they them away? Four, no, they, 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 they gave away. So I should say giveaways. No, That's had, a big number. They had, number. Defense. No, they, had thir- they, had, they had 32 of them, guys. They had a lot of mistakes. They were really careless with the football because of really quarterback instability, I think, mostly. But this is a team that averaged, I think, 2.4 turnovers per game last season. And Texas has been emphasizing takeaways. So I'm with Jerry on that one. I want to see some takeaways by the Texas defense. Also, on the offensive side, I just want to see if they can run the football. Rice is the ultimate slump buster, guys. All right, Texas couldn't fo- run the football the first time we got a chance to see the Steve Sarkeesian offense at Texas post Bijan and Rojo. Only averaged 2.8 yards per carry versus Washington. Hey, man, this, this Rice defense, I mean, sorry, this, yeah, this Rice defense, they allowed, I think, 5.3 yards per rush last season. That was actually 124th in all of college football. They allowed over 180 rushing yards per game. If you can't run the ball versus Rice, guys, then we'll all know then they're going to have some issues running the ball all year long. This is a slump buster. You can't do it versus Rice. You can't do it. That's right. Hey, Bobby, let, hey, Bobby, let me jump in real quick. Some people are asking about Dominic McKinley again. Bo Davis is going to be at the game tonight. Melvin Hills is also playing. Texas commitment for a Lafayette Christian Academy. Texas won't walk away from the Dominic McKinley recruitment. Not when the uh, mom uh, has been in contact with Steve Sarkeesian for many days in a row. Uh, Texas won't back off this commitment. He'll Bo Davis will be at that game tonight. Got it. Uh, speaking with Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of On Texas Football and Inside Texas. Uh, guys, um, I think that what I'm looking for tomorrow, uh, I'm looking to see whether or not Pete Kwiatkowski's defense can get it done. You're, you're looking for the run game a little bit. I'm, I want to see if the defense uh, can replicate some of what it did last year. It shut down TCU, for example, most explosive offense in the Big 12 at the end of the year, right? It was able to keep up with Kansas State and keep them out of the end zone late. I feel like I'm I'm going to see – I want to see if Texas has got a better defense this year or not. Uh, I want to see if guys like Jure Bledsoe and Alfred Collins have taken the next step and become pass rushers. Because the element of a pass rush, Ethan Burke's another one. That changes the game not just against Rice. For, it's it's that, that carries throughout the rest of the season, Rod and Jerry, because if they can do that effectively – then you're, you're going to get turnovers. Turnovers are going to come if they can get after the passer. So you want to see if they can go from basically good to great. Because they were a good defense last year, yeah. but great would mean get more than 27 sacks, right? You yeah. were second in the college football in pressures, so you need to translate more of those to sacks, those splash plays you're talking about. Uh, they were ninth in the in, in the Big 12 in takeaways last season. So you want more than 14 takeaways. These are the havoc plays. Yeah. That'll take you from good to great. You get more of those. And that the last key, guys, money downs. Money downs. You were seventh and eighth in the Big 12 last season and third and fourth down defense. 
got to be better on money downs. Those are the three no areas. If they consistently uh, replicate what they did last season and improve in those areas, Jerry, ain't no doubt. They go from good to great. <laughs> hey, guys, we, did, we need to say thank you to our sponsor real yes. quick. Um, and I want to say this uh, real quick. Andy Ludicky of My Perfect Franchise, thank you for sponsoring each and every Friday live stream with us. Uh, Andy, uh, if you're looking to start your own business or own your own franchise, Andy's who you want to talk to first. Give him a call at 404-973-9901 or visit him at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, he can get you started in the process of finding your own franchise. You can be your own boss. Uh, that's Andy Ludicky at myperfectfranchise.net. I'm thinking about it, Rod, and looking at uh, Jalen Milrow as starter at Alabama, thinking about JT Daniels. Texas faces experienced, fairly experienced quarterback in, out of the gate. Jalen Milrow has only started, I think, a couple games for Alabama because he, he filled in for for uh, uh, Bryce Young a year ago. Question I have now is that tells you what Alabama wants to be. Does Texas need to show something against Rice in front of Alabama? Like, is it run stopping? Because Rice is a, a heavy run team. Jalen Milrow is a heavy run quarterback. Yeah, he is. I, I do wonder if Rice will throw the ball to open up the run. And, man, think about Rice trying to go into DKR and, and run the football and play bully ball against Texas. It just doesn't – to me, it just seems like a fool's errand. Um, I think because you got the highest rated signee in the history of Rice football, who happens to be at the quarterback position, and since Mike Bloomgren's gotten there, guys, they've used at least three different starting quarterbacks every year. You finally got <laughs> stability at the quarterback, and you don't go out there and hand off the football with the best player that Rice has ever recruited. Well, okay, Tuiasa Sopo, but I got to tell you, that to me doesn't seem like that's wise. I would go out there and I'd let him sling a little bit. Now, we're not talking about vertically downfield because you can't protect long enough to do that. But the quick game, Texas was highly susceptible to the quick game last year, guys. I'll give you a stat. Mind-blowing one, too. Slants alone last year, Texas allowed damn near 66 completion percentage, all right, and 43% first down and touchdown rate on slants alone. Inside leverage. It's been an issue for Texas defensive backs. They don't emphasize it. If I'm Texas, if I'm all right, Rice, that's one of the things I go after. Those are quick completions, easy completions, uh, screen game, things of that nature. We're talking about the RPO game, which is a quick game, and the run game. These are easy solutions uh, to keep the football and keep drives alive for Rice that they may be able to have success versus Texas. But running the football against that defense was a top 20, top 25 rush defense last year. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Hey, all right, we got some uh, some questions coming in from fans across yep. the uh, road here. Uh, McKinley from Rick here. Not sure if we can make a top ten uh, recruiting our top five recruiting class now. Wingo and Baker, Ryan Wingo and Brandon Baker, out of St. Louis and uh, Santa Ana, California, uh, respectively, are toss ups right now. Can Texas get a top ten class if we lose Baker, Wingo, and McKinley? Who's Is that top ten yet? or top top ten or top five? Top five. Yeah, so look, Texas is going to have to have three five-stars in the class to have a shot at a top-five class. That's kind of what I've been talking about. Texas is going to sign a top-ten class for third straight row, year in a row. But you got to have three five-stars to have a shot at a top-five class because I don't think Texas is going to have the numbers of signees in the class. Now, I think 21, maybe 22 will count against you into your class ranking with on three at the end of the day. Right now it's 16. Uh, but look, that you have to have three five stars in the class. So you got to go win out for, you know, look, Texas should win out for Kobe Black. We'll see what happens when he announces. Then you got to hit on another guy just from a pure class ranking standpoint. But just remember this, Texas fans, Warren Roberson and Jelani McDonald weren't on the radar for Texas this time last year. Both were top 200 players in the country. So you're going to have more guys come into it, but you got to hit three five stars in this class for the got guys it. that were in the top five class. All right. Got it. A uh, couple other questions that uh, Drew, uh, we actually met with him before the show here at the co-op. We're live <laughs> from the co-op right now, by the way. He said he sends a super chat over and says, thank you for taking the time to chat in person with oh, me man. before the show. It was a pleasure meeting you guys. Pleasure meeting you too, uh, you, Drew. Drew. Uh, awesome. Really appreciate it, Classy buddy. Move, brother. Yep. Appreciate you. All right. Uh, let's get Let's get going. Uh, yep. A couple more questions here uh, from the, the crowd. I want to ask one. Oh, Derek Weisner. Hey, 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 Derek Wisner, I believe that's Uncle Trey Wisner. Sarkeesian oh. mentioned Trey again in the press conference Thursday as a guy who's shown up on special teams. So there's a freshman, a true freshman that wasn't an early enrollee that's exceeding expectations early on. Good job, Trey Wisner. 
Hey, I've got a couple others here that I want to mention. This is a question from Inside Texas from B. Cook. Who is scoring two-plus TDs tomorrow? Oh, I'm going to go with JT Sanders. Ooh. I'll go with JT. Wow. I'm going I'm, I'm going Jonathan Brooks. Jerry? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, can I give more than one guy? <laughs> wow. Yeah, more than one guy yeah. scored two? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to say um, Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter, and A.D. Mitchell. Three guys scored two. Ooh. Wow. Okay. A.D. Mitchell's a good pick, though. That was going to be my sec. I like that one, Jerry. Yeah, he's definitely a red zone mm-hmm. kind of guy, yeah. right? And he's going to be getting one-on-one coverage a lot. Yeah. They like to play – these guys like to play man, too. Rice likes to play man. They trust them corners, guys. They're going to play some man, that, that's the, man on them receivers. Like, hey, Rod, don't you have to because your defensive front – you ha- you have to create pressure with numbers if you're Rice, right? So you have to leave your guys on an island. No, you're right. But I would say that's – and you were right, Jerry. That is the strength of the team. Right. I watched the more film. That, that That is the strength of the team. There's no question. And – they got about three or four guys, including Sean Taylor's little brother, Gabe yeah. Taylor. They, yeah. That's some playmakers in the secondary. Hey, I want to ask this question. This one from a DKRD from the chat stream. If we aren't able to land interior elite defensive line recruits, would you agree this will be something that keeps us from being a true national contender? Jerry, you start with that one. Yeah, so I, I think there's, there's two ways to look at this. Um, one, the r- rankings aren't final. I mean, I think that's the thing. But here's the thing. What if Sadir Mitchell was ranked 200 in the country last year and Texas had to battle Georgia twice to get him? Is he not an elite interior defensive line recruit? Texas beat LSU for Alex January this year. He's going to end up ranked 225 in the country. Is that not an elite D line recruit? DeAndre Robinson, same thing. It'd probably be a top 150 kid in the country. Jare Bledsoe was a top 150 guy in the country. You beat Oklahoma, LSU. Texas is beating the people they have to for defensive line recruits. Uh, those are elite defensive line prospects. I mean, there's a few five-star guys, but then there's a lot of elite mid-star, mid-four-star defensive line prospects, and Texas is getting those guys. I mean, it, I don't know what you, I don't, I don't know what else to say, Bobby. Got it. No, I, I think I think that Texas is doing fine. This one comes from the crowd here, right? Coming from oh. right in front of you, Rod. This oh. is from Michael Schuler. Hey. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Rod, Rod, he asked Rod, who do you think gives us the best defense on inside leverage? Oh, man. That's, that's a good, good. question because you've been talking Honestly, about that. Manny, Jade, yeah. Gavin Holmes. Who- and I think that's kind of what Sark is looking at, right? That's why he keeps talking about these youngsters that can straight up play man-to-man coverage. He wants to play bump and run. Play bump and run, man. The sideline is your best friend. Sideline is your other man. Uh, when I played bump and run coverage, which we did probably 70% of the time, we called Bull Reese. We played exclusively inside leverage. We didn't care if they knew we were taking away the inside cuts. They don't do that all the time. I think Sark wants to do that. That's why he likes Manny Muhammad. That's why he likes guys like Terrence Brooks. Even uh, when Ryan Watts is out there, I mean, that's what he's trying to do too, unless they give him help. And they rarely give him help over there on the boundary. So um, I'm with you. I, I think right now, Jade Barron's my guy. Jade Barron's my favorite DB out there. I'm just. I even put a tweet out about Jade Barron. Oh, man, I'll give you this, this stat because I love it. It's my favorite Jade Barron stat. So last season, Jade Barron had 11 and a half tackles for loss, guys. The I went back and looked. I was like, man, that seems like a lot. So first of all, it was third nationally among DBs, all right, 11 and a half tackles for loss. The last time a Texas defensive back had 11 and a half tackles for loss, oh, shout out because I think his cousin was on this tweet too uh, responding, Ricky Churchman. Oh, 1978, wow. <laughs> all right, who ended up being a three-year starter for Texas. He's a good player, yeah. but Ricky Churchman, he had 11 and a half in 1978. That's the last time, guys, you had a DB at Texas have 11 and a half tackles for loss. Jaday Barron, he is a football investigator, and he also is top 10 in the Big 12 last season in Havoc plays, which are splash plays on defense. We're talking about PBUs, interceptions, sacks, tackles for loss, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. He was top 10 in the Big 12 in those types of plays. I'm telling you, he is he's one of those guys. I think he has great football instincts. I think this year he's an all he's a first team all Big 12 defender. I, hey, Rod, Rod just pointed out why Jade Barron's a borderline first, second round NFL draft grade headed in this season. He just pointed it out. The guy's a playmaker. Yep. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing that I would add to that. Uh, he blows up the bubble screen as well as anybody oh. that Texas has had. I've never seen anything yeah, like it. Yeah, that's I've never seen anything. Like yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he it's the recognition that he has pretty quick. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, hey, Rob, we're getting a lot of questions where people can get that hat. This happened with Colin Simmons. Well, now, oh. when he committed, he was wearing a hat on his visit. And then when he committed and he sold out a hat twice, Rod, people are asking where to get that hat. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with my, my booster friend, donor friend this weekend. And I will ask him, hey, can we be, can people get this hat or do y'all make them? Whatever. If not. Hey man, maybe we can just start making them ourselves. I, we'll get it done. The co-op would definitely be happy to help you. <laughs> by the way, I think. Hey uh, guys, just uh, looking at a couple more questions here. Uh, this one I thought was interesting. Of from Jacob Woodyard, uh, all of the football analysts are talking about the average height weight of Bama's OL, hmm. three hundred thirty pounds. Rod, yeah. Have they not seen ours? It's not yeah. like we're small. Texas is like three twenty four, I think. Yeah, you I know. Average it out, something like that, and I want to say six four. Yeah. Six four three twenty four. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, yeah, Bama's got some big humans, but hey, shout out to the BMDs in the Pancake Factory. Got some big humans too. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Let's go to one from the uh, message boards here of InsideTexas.com. If you're not a subscriber there, uh, Rod, can Ryan Niblet be the Jalen Milrow clone in uh, workouts? Oh wow, can he throw? Nah, not mm. like that. He doesn't yeah. have that strong arm. That's, I mean, that's that's tough, right? I, I was literally talking about this when Trey Lance, the Trey Lance trade happened. Cowboys fans were upset, and I said, listen, at the very least, you got to play Jalen Hurts twice a year. You got to play Daniel Jones twice a year. Those quarterbacks to rush for over 700-plus yards. You got to play uh, Josh Allen once a year. So it's five games right there, two, four in your division, where you need a quarterback to simulate that in practice. And your third-string quarterback is usually your scout team simulation quarterback in practice. That's Trey Lance now. And I guarantee that Dan Quinn defense will be much more prepared and better prepared, I should say, for a dual threat quarterback because they got a great picture, a great simulation uh, in practice. And the, the Longhorns don't have that. Now, that doesn't mean they won't be defended, but the two losses I have for the Longhorns on the season, and I didn't do this on purpose, but it just maybe just kind of lines up. They both have dual threat quarterbacks now as their starters, Bama and K-State, because that's the one variable you really can't game plan for. Can't. It's tough unless you got one in practice that can help you. No doubt. Hey, Bobby, we've had a couple of questions. Where are you guys at today? I'll let you take that away for people that are just now joining the stream. Uh, absolutely. We're up on the second floor of the university co-op. Uh, we got a couple of people up here. They're enjoying some free oh, yeah. beverages. Oh, yeah. Got the beverages. Yeah, we, I don't know how this happened. Did, did you plan this, Bobby? No. Well, they said that it was going to be happy hour. Okay. Well, I didn't know they were going to be this well. this good, though. <laughs> <laughs> let's, be, let's be clear. I expected some, you know. Oh, well, okay. It is fantastic, man. Uh, it's good it. stuff. Uh, we appreciate everybody that's come out today. We appreciate the folks at the co-op for allowing us to be here no as doubt, well. No doubt. That's part of it. Uh, all right, Rod, your thoughts, uh, literally, Texas, you know, so much has been made going into this year. We're one day away. Has the culture changed? Do they have more talent? It feels like we've answered those questions 25 times, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we probably have, actually, oh, no uh, between off-seasons. Talking season. Right? But the thought process I have in, in going there is what are we going to see tomorrow and that, that we might not see until the end of the year? So what happens to a team – that's just coming into its own early versus where they end up late. Mm. Like, yeah, it's Quinn. Yep. Quinn Ewers isn't going to come out and be all of a sudden just a, could be a better player. Don't get me wrong. But he's not going to be a finished product. Hopefully right? none and of these so, guys are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I'm a little, I, I want to, I'm trying to think back to the years when you played, uh, when the 05 team, 08, yeah. 09 teams, mm -hmm. they started pretty strong. Y'all started fairly strong. And then got better as the year years year went on. That for was the, most the hope, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, what are you looking to see the team do as they progress throughout the year? Honestly, and this is that, that's a great question because I remember and Justin Wells brought this up and reminded me of it. So I thought about it for a while and I was like, "Damn, Justin made a really good point about that." He and he said he and Ian were talking about it that last time Texas was in this position. What was the last time Texas was in this position where they? You know, we're kind of trying to bring back the brand and reestablish themselves and reinvent the program. And he said, honestly, when they were where they also had stockpiled a ton of talent, right, where the expectation now was as high as the actual standard for Texas football. And he said 2001. I thought about it. And I was like, man, 2001. We were trying to bring Texas back. I remember that being a big part of the motivation. It's like, man, we got to bring this great brand back. We got to make people fear and respect this brand that is Texas football. Because I don't think they do. And actually, actually, I think that was coming off that 2000 season where we got blown. Oklahoma just won a national title. 
Yeah. Right. And we had gotten blown out. So it was that was a sense of urgency around there. Even Mac Brown felt it because oh, his yeah. rival had just won a national title with a coach in his what second year. Yeah. Mac Brown started sweating. Them recruiting classes weren't enough. Them ten wins wasn't enough. You had that. We had to take it to the level. Now I wasn't here to see it, but we won eleven games and fell short. Because we didn't beat Oklahoma and we didn't win the Big 12 title. And we remember that Big 12 title game. And I don't want to relive it right today. And neither do y'all. Uh, but then 02, we won 11 games. And Cliff freaking Kingsbury and <laughs> Wes Welker wore us out on them damn planes out there in 02. And Mike Lee's God rest his soul. Uh, Nehemiah Glover. Was oh, he on the team? <laughs> man, I'm telling you, it was, I couldn't believe it. We, you were chasing somebody faster than you. Yeah, no, we didn't know West Welker and them slot receivers. You probably know we're going to be that effective, but they wore us out. We were supposed to go to a BCS game. We won that game, and we lost. So we won 11 games, though, but I remember this sense of urgency to bring Texas back because we had the talent. But the thing about 0-1-0-2 was, and everybody here knows that's the shame in winning those 11 games, we were good enough to win a championship. Like, we were we were more than good. Look at those how stacked those teams were. Higher stack. Championship. That's the question. That's what people are going to be saying about this team. How did they yeah. not win a championship with all that damn talent? And that you don't want that to happen. That that will be a tragedy. Well, uh, Rod, we mentioned it on one of the shows we did, but just some perspective on, you know, Texas has set six, seven, eight, nine guys who are probably going to be drafted, depending on how many guys come out early. Yep. I just want to remind people this. TCU had seven or eight guys drafted last year, a Heisman runner-up at quarterback, and lost 65-7 in the national championship game mm -hmm. to Georgia. So Texas has is brought the talent back. Steve Sarkeesian's brought the talent back. But to that question, Bobby, about the the culture and the belief, and he, he, here's what I like about what um, uh, Sark is doing right now: they're creating, I think, a physical brand of football. I, I think they're creating a physical brand of football on both lines of scrimmage. The thing about this fall camp that's different from the last, the first two fall camps for Sark, I think, is so important for Texas fans to kind of understand and think about heading into this year because the depth of talent is back in the program. They had more physical fall practices. And that is so key for me in taking that next step as and yes, John tail score TD UT boy. Um, but that is the so critical. The next step, Rod, how physical were y'all's practices back then? Ooh, that is the key. Texas hasn't had that. Now they have the depth to have physical practices again. And create the competition. Yep, that's a great point because I remember I remember the the, the, the skill side of it, right? Because I wasn't in the trenches, but I remember going up against Roy Williams, B.J. Johnson, Sloan Thomas every day, and oh man, we would carry it over into the locker room. We had grudges the next day, but like can't wait to the next one on one. I came out one day with a boom box to our. Uh, we had our uh, seven on seven, just a team, just the team oriented team uh, uh, seven on seven, and I brought a boom box out there, and I remember how upset the receivers were. So I was just jamming while I was out there playing. We, we had this, com this competition going that was at a really high level, and it made us all better. We were practicing against NFL guys every day, and that's yeah. what you're hoping is happening over there right now. Hey, Kyle, I've had a couple of questions about Don McKinley. Will Texas be able to flip him? We don't have that answer yet, but I can tell you that Texas won't back off recruiting their A-list guys. They haven't since Sark was brought in here. Um, think about in 2022, you never know what's going to happen with the coaching carousel. Kelvin Banks, Cam Williams flipped from Oregon to Texas in back-to-back days. There's a lot of things uh, that can happen when you keep recruiting your A-list of guys and stay on those guys and recruit through the whistle. Hey, Jerry, got a question up now, uh, you and Rod. Tell me why we can't catch lightning in a bottle like 2019 LSU Tigers. This is from Steve Booth. Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Those are three – I mean, those are three pro bowlers, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that may be part if – if A.D. Mitchell – Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers come together like that. JT Sanders. Yeah. Oh, nice mm -hmm. one. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and by the way, LSU did not have a great defense that year. No, it was a playmaking defense. Yeah. But not a great defense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was more of a, to your point, yeah. they'd stop you three or four times a game, not all game long. Yeah. They, they hey. critical stops. Yeah. That, that 2020 – NFL draft, though, they had five first-rounders, two second-rounders, three third-rounders, two fourth-rounders, a six and a seven. The following year, they had three, seven, eight draft picks. The following year was Derek Stingley Jr. They had a double-digit draft pick. So just understand, that LSU team had 35 
NFL draft picks and seven first rounders on it. Uh, you guys think that Les Miles and, and Ed Orgeron might be able to recruit? Do you think? <laughs> no doubt. It helps to have Louisiana, being Louisiana too, one of the yeah. most fertile uh, recruiting states in the country. But also, remember about that season since we all got a chance to witness it, the start of it anyway, firsthand. Joe Burrow made crucial clutch, clutch plays, man, in yes. critical moments. And we all remember, man, probably three or four times that season where Joe Burrow was spit on the cape. And became Superman. One of them in what, this exactly. place right behind us. <laughs> yes. And you Third need, and 17. If, if Quinn Ewers can put on the cape a few times this year for Texas, that's what we're going to need. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, speaking with Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton, here live at the Texas Co-op for the Longhorn live stream on Texas football. Uh, this one comes from Vivek B. Do you all truly believe in Sark? Do we have to start questioning his offensive genius if he gets incapacitated from making adjustments in-game LOL. I don't know about incapacitated. <laughs> Flummoxed. Um, <laughs> Stupefied. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, yeah uh, incapacitated is a big one. Yeah. Um, but I think that this is something that we've talked about in yep. to, in, in Sark's credit. Yeah. He's admitted it. He's like, look, I got to get better. I, we can't have the three and outs like we've had the last couple of years, especially in the second half. Yep. Uh, so I, I think that well, I do believe in Sark. I'm going to be, I'm going to come out and say it because I've, I've talked to him. I've, I've I've been there, seen it. I know what they're doing on the field vis-a-vis talent. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was out there in those three practices this fall, I was out here in the spring. I wrote an article for Inside Texas today. Rod, they had they have 10 starters coming back on offense, six and a half really on defense. And then they brought on brought in five portal transfer transfers, four of whom are likely starters tomorrow. Yeah. That who else is bringing back 10 and 10 starters? Nobody yeah. or 10 and nine. I mean, that, that's, that's an amazing. And so I think his roster management, he may be better at that than he is even offensive play calling at times. Include coaches in that. Yeah. Oh I, yeah, I, yeah. 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 I've been, I've been I a agree. big fan of his coaching hires too. He's done a really good job building the coaching staff and there's continuity with most of the coaching staff. I, I, I actually, and people know this who heard me on the radio. I initially was not a star fan. You guys know that he had to win me over, uh, but he did. He won me over. Uh, because I'm a football theorist, so I can appreciate the, you know, the, the conceptual signatures that he puts in his office and all the great detail. I, I understand the grand picture, uh, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he's done enough to prove himself right, worthy of being, you know, the guy that is going to lead Texas to the promised land. I'll say this is the two things I want to see this year from Sark, guys, just two things. Number one. I need to see him become a chess master, start winning some of that, that chess match within the game. Uh, the stat that I always give is that if you take the 60% win mark, which is kind of the basic for basic, kind of the base for getting into the College Football Hall of Fame for coaches, you gotta win at least 60% of your games. Um, when he faces coaches who win at least 60% of their games, he is he's he has a, like a 40 around a 40 something win percentage, close around a 40% win percentage. When he faces coaches that win fewer than 60% of their games. He has around a 75% win percentage because I think when he has to match wits with a really good coach, there are times where he falls short. He's got to become more a better chess master. Number two, he's got to figure out the three high, three down defense. All right, the productivity of his offense, it drops precipitously against three high, three down defense in almost every category to the point where his offense is average Oh, double digits, right? Double digits, fewer and less points per game on average when he faces a three high, three down defense. Got to figure that out. I think he's on the way to remedying that issue. That's part of why he brought in the help of Paul Christ and all those other guys too. They 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 seriously went after that in the offseason, I was told. So that that yeah. was a focal point of yep. of Sark and what he did in the offseason a little bit. Yeah, uh, that makes people sense. don't remember he didn't take a week a week off all summer or all spring. They took he th- took three days. So, hey, that, hey, by the way, that's when you're excited about your team. If you don't like your team, you're going to the, the Caribbean for two weeks, okay, in July. Let's be real. Uh, hey, I want to say this, too. Um, I think the hires – what are the last few hires Sark has made at Texas? Tashar Choice. Excellent. Chris Jackson. Uh, Brennan, you married for a year, but Chris Jackson's an upgrade there. Bringing in Gary Patterson last year. Bringing in Jody Camillus and Paul Chris this year. He is making, he's won me over, and you still got to go get 10 wins on the field, then you got to go get 11 and 12. But he's won me over because of the hires he's made. Jody Camillus was a great offseason hire, guys. A great offseason hire. You, it's hard to bring in guys that have 30 years of special teams experience and a lot of that at the NFL level. Sark, 
to me, what when guys get a big job, a dream job, so to speak, it what defines that that job and the job they're going to do for me so oftentimes is who do you hire? Do you know who to hire? We've seen failures at that in Texas in the past with Charlie Strong and Tom Herman. You're seeing a guy that knows who to hire at Texas. Now they just got to go get the wins. You hear them popping those pop, pop tops over here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's making me thirsty. Sounds like Friday. <laughs> yes. Sounds like Friday to me. Poppy stopped just short of leaving the live stream for three minutes. <laughs> happy happy hour from the co-op is truly happy hour. I'll just I'll just put it that way. Hey, uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, by the way, of the every Friday live stream is Andy Ludicky, our friend at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to leave the corporate, uh, corporate rat race, want to own your own business and get into the franchise game, Try Andy out, uh, Andy Ludic at MyPerfectFranchise.net, 404-973-9901. That's 404-973-9901. And Andy is absolutely terrific. I, I know a couple of people from this program alone that have done this and had some success with Andy, and I'm, I'm really happy for him. Hey, question here. First and foremost, do, from Chris Bennett. CB. Do all three QBs play tomorrow? Oh, they don't. Something went wrong, right? <laughs> Something went horribly wrong, right, Jerry? They don't see Arch and Malik. Something went horribly wrong. Hell, Charles Wright should be getting out there a little bit. You think so? <laughs> when we get on, when is Charles Wright going to see some action if he's not tomorrow? I, I don't know. Um, who play, I, the, the question is: the question from the audience is who plays second? I think Malik goes yeah. in second. Okay. Yeah, he comes in second. Oh, okay, we yeah. got we got another. Yeah. Play, okay, yeah. we got another that's, supporter here. Says yeah, yeah. yeah. He comes. I, I think I think Malik comes in second. The question yeah. is. Does Arch get – I think Arch will redshirt this year, barring injury to Quinn Ewers, major injury. Um, so the question is, do they get his feet wet in a couple of these games and, and with, with the understanding that I think redshirts uh, where he's headed, unless there's a major injury. Hey, guys, uh, let's go to this one uh, from UT Boy. Does Jonte score a TD? Yes, Jerry. I, yes. I want to say this. I want to say this. I talked to someone actually early this morning, uh, and uh, – Jonte Cook had a really good second half of fall camp, apparently. Uh, kind of separated himself maybe a little bit from DeAndre Moore as a, as a freshman. So just keep that in mind, both of you guys. I haven't had that conversation with you all yet. Uh, so, uh, But that, that's, that's good news there for Jonte. Uh, the one thing I would say here is the, the freshmen themselves. Think about all the guys that are going to play tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, not just – not just Jonte on offense, but a, a guy like Cedric Baxter is expected to, to really do it. Uh, Anthony Hill, uh, Manny Muhammad, potentially let Sark mentioned Leonga LaFowle yesterday. Jerry and Rod. Um, I think you mix all those guys together, and I tell you what, it's pretty impressive. Uh, the list of freshmen that are going to play Jelani McDonald, Warren Roberson, Derek Williams, Derek Williams on, on special. DeAndre Moore. Take care, Rob. DeAndre yeah. Moore. Sark mentioned DeAndre Moore yesterday in the press yeah. conference as well. I yeah. mean, uh, he mentioned Trey Weisner on special teams. I mean, so um, look, in, in I think there's even behind the scenes, some of the guys that we're, we may not see on the field this year starting to be talked about. I think this defensive class, Bobby, has a chance to be really, really impactful moving to the SEC from what we're hearing, right? If, if, if all those guys are going to play, that means the first quarter went just as they planned. Right, the first quarter's got to go according to script. That means, well, and you could end up just kind of blowing them out of the water in the second in the second quarter, or maybe in the second half. But I'm assuming if you want all those guys to play, and you also we want to see all three quarterbacks, uh, that first quarter is going to be crucial to me. I mean, that's when Rice is going to pull out to me the best part of their game plan. That will be before Rice is totally worn out by your just your mass and overwhelmed by your athleticism overall. That'll happen in the second half. But in the first quarter, I really want to watch the execution and critical moments, the money downs, all those things in the first quarter when you're going to get Rice's best shot. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. 
Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Fair enough. All right, hey, here's one from Tom Bailey. I'm going to add to him a little hey. bit here. Okay, all, all the way from Canada, checking in. With all your knowledge and different experiences, what Longhorn is your personal favorite player? If it's from past years, it's obviously Rod Babers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not going Rod. I'm not sitting next to him. <laughs> who's your favorite this year on this year's team for whatever reason? Right? It could be. And then I want to add this: Who is your surprise player for the 2023 season? So two two people. I'm gonna I'm go. My favorite on this team uh, right now uh, is going to be Byron Murphy. I think he brings a lunch pail every day, and I like those kind of guys. So mm -hmm. him or Baron Sorrell, those are my two guys. I kind like of uh, I, I like Jalen Ford a lot as well. And then my surprise player of the year, I'm going with Dre Bledsoe okay. uh, at okay. defensive tackle. I think that while most people are expecting Alfred Collins to step up, I think Dre Bledsoe could have that sophomore year that maybe surprises a few people. Okay. So I think he's my surprise guy of the year. Ooh, I like that. Jerry, uh, Rod, you want to go first? Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, my favorite player just for random. I mean, I, I, my favorite player is JT Sanders right now. I, I just love watching him. I love the way they utilize him. He moves around, shifts in motions more than any player in the power five. And so Sark just has so many, puts him in the backfield, puts him in line, flexes him out, puts him in the slide, puts him out wide. And I, he, he, he provides those, them so much variety and versatility within the offense. And guys, we haven't had a, it's been an endangered species on the 40 acres for a long time, the tight end position. And honestly, guys, think about this. Can we track? the offensive identity crisis for Texas that basically has just gotten resolved pretty much under Sark. Can't we track that offensive identity crisis to the downfall of the tight end position on the 40 acres? Well, Ooh, we just, you know, that's it, interesting. It, it kind of, well, cause listen, we know that 2008 uh, team in 2019, they didn't really have a tight end. They had Chris Obanai, they had some other weapons and there were cracks in that team and those teams. We just couldn't see it because of the high end talent like Cole McCoy and, Quan and Jordan Shipley was, was so good. They were elite in that area. But, you know, just I'm just throwing it out there that, that the tight end position has been on a decline for a while. It's the first time in a long time we've had a five-tool tight end on the 40 acres. I'm going to enjoy it while we got it. And obviously, they're hard to find. <laughs> so who's your surprise player? Wait, wait, wait. So I need to get a surprise player. Oh, surprise player. I'll go. Oh, that is good. I guess I can't pick Jalen Catalan. They'd be cheating, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah. cheating with it. Freshman All-American, but you know. <laughs> Damn it. All right, that's too easy. All right, let's go with um, – can I take Jaron Thompson? Absolutely. He Absolutely. hasn't broke out yet. I'll take Jaron Thompson. I like the offseason he's had. Yeah. Uh, my favorite player of all time at Texas is Casey Hampton. That's another uh, story for another day. All time? I thought we were talking about right now. All time, yeah. And, and, and there's reasons for that uh, that we'll talk about on another show. Oh, okay. Um, this my favorite player on this team. You know, I'm going to go Kelvin Banks. Oh yeah, that's and here's why I'm gonna, here's why I'm going to go Kelvin Banks because he came in and answered the call. He came in at a position Texas has not had a first round pick at offensive line in what will be 24 years by the time he enters the draft, and he's going to break the streak. But yeah. what he did was he came in, and I think he brought a toughness and a physicality to the offensive line as a true freshman that's really hard to do. I think he showed it against Oklahoma. He showed it various other times. Yeah. I just love what that guy brought to the Texas program, and when he brought it was a perfect time. Um, breakout player this year, surprise player. Bobby stole it, stole that one. Um, I'm going to go. I'll tell you where I'm going to go. I'm going to go sneaky. I'm going to go Isaiah Nayor. Oh, because I think he's going to get a lot of favorable coverage as the season moves along. Yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of favorable coverage as the season moves along. And he's coming off an injury. I think he's going to have something to prove after he gets comfortable. I think a lot of receivers are going to get favorable coverages. Yes. Yep, JT and X-Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that changes as the year wears on, depending oh, yeah, on what yeah, they yeah. try to do with it. I agree. That's a good point. All right. uh, the Commodian here uh, for a super chat. Thank you so much. 
Jerry is on the line for seven offensive TDs already for tomorrow. Thanks, guys. That's seven, Jerry. That's 49, and we expect a defensive or special team to touchdown, too. Hey, look, I'm right on track with my prediction. I said 56-13, seven offensive touchdowns, one defensive or special teams. I'm right on track. I haven't lost my mind yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm at 54 13, so I'm, I'm right there with you. You yeah. put that SEC hat on me, I'll lose my mind, though. I guarantee you that. <laughs> put that out there for people want to see that now. They want to see it? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, go. to the camera. <laughs> That's a great hat now. <laughs> there you go. Boom. There you go. Take that, Brett Yarmark. <laughs> hey, if, 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 if Rod gets jumped, it might be me to get the hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to work hard to get you one, Jerry. Lisa, we can't get everybody one. I'm going to get you one. I know I'm bad you want it, bro. All right. Uh, we're talking to uh, Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three, uh, as well as on Texas football. Uh, it's the Friday edition of the live stream. We're live from the university co-op here on the drag, uh, having a lot of fun. It's less than 24 hours away now. We should be around halftime. Oh, right. We're like about that. 24 hours from halftime. Nice. We're going to have, by the way, tomorrow a watch with us party. That uh, if you're not at the Shout game, Hogan. yeah, Aaron Hogan is going to host a watch with us. Uh, so if you're not watching on the screen or you want to turn that screen down and listen to us on during game, please feel free. Following the game, Rod, myself, uh, and fellow Longhorn uh, Letterman. Uh, National champion, by the way. He's got something you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Drew Kelson will join yeah. us in the postgame show uh, as well. So we're going to have a little fun tomorrow night. Uh, 12 South champion just doesn't sound the same. Yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't flow as well. Oh, that was right. a good one, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Uh, let's go to a couple more questions here. Actually, this is a comment. Ethan Burke and Terrence Brooks for a surprise player on offense or defense or in DJ Campbell, or that may be his favorite player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Terrence Brooks, again, I'm a big fan. I just had to hung out with uh, Chet Brooks, his dad, for a little while. We were at, at doing a camp together, and it, it, it was awesome. He got a chance to actually really get to know him and found out, you know, he was a footwork coach. And then I started looking at Terrence Brooks a little bit more. I mean, his footwork is so natural. Like, it's just no wasted movement. Everything is so clean and crisp. I love Terrence Brooks's game. Uh, I think this guy actually can move around. I think he can play boundary field. I could play nickel if you need him to play nickel too. Um, so I, I love his game. I know he's in a heated competition right now between him, he and Gavin Holmes and uh, Malik Muhammad and all those guys. And that's a first world problem. It's a good problem to have. But I'm a big Terrence Brooks fan too, man. I'm, I'm with you, David. I'm going to say this because we actually got talked to about this twice before the the actual uh, – yeah remote broadcast, here yeah. broadcast here today spectrum has lost the lhn and espn oh so, yeah <laughs> guys think about this now if you're in, if you're in austin and you have spectrum you're not getting texas alabama next week mm. i think i think some people might actually like change they might change over that one what yeah. do you think you think they would Oh, Texas fans, yeah. They can't get that that game. Oh, because people got watch parties planned, all kind of stuff for, for, for like a year. People have been planning on partying during this game. Yeah, man, I feel bad for those folks. I really do. That hey, sucks. Hey, here's one from Michael Hinojosa that I thought was good. Uh, and this goes back to your your numbers uh, mm -hmm. and analytics, Rod. Yeah. Are slants not a high percentage mm -hmm. pass? How bad is 66%? relative to other teams yeah that's and actually right that's not that high of a number when you consider just the obviously it is a high percentage pass part of the quick game but it's the the this high success rates in terms of first down to touchdown rate which is up to 40 something percent so it's, it's strategically being used to get first downs and to get touchdowns in the red zone on money downs uh, i'll go back I, I probably should go back and track that because it's a good point uh, i probably should go back and track how many times it happened on third down, <laughs> fourth down, and in the red zone? Because situationally, it tells me they're getting a lot of like big, not big plays, important plays on those money down plays, right? We're talking about touchdowns and first down. So you're right about the percentage. That's not the, but it also tells you that if you're a JT Daniels, has a pass you can complete, right? It's like no 66% completion percentage over the sample size of a whole entire season. You know that's 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 pretty high. Uh, or high enough, I should say, where you can translate to a guy like JT Daniels and his competency as a quarterback and say, hey, man, we can do this a lot. We can do this four or five times to keep drives alive and hold on to the ball. And with the rule changes these days, oh, man, holding on to the ball, it, you can suffocate basically another team's offense by just playing keep away if you want to. And by the way, that's what UTSA did last year. Yeah. Over here. 
Early on, Texas didn't even see the football. <laughs> it's kept the ball forever. Hey, we had a question. What quarterback do we expect to come in uh, after Quinn tomorrow? We do expect that to be Malik Murphy. Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, this one comes from King Me. Uh, prediction question. Who will have the most tech, uh, tackles tomorrow? I'm going with Jalen Ford because he led the team in tackles, and I think in eight games last year out of the 13. Didn't he had his worst game of the season last year in the first game? Very he didn't have didn't have any Dude, tackles. Yeah, Zero. He, he actually missed a couple of tackles in the <laughs> first game. That was his worst game, and then after that, he became the best player in the conference. Like really on the on the team defensively, that was an amazing transformation. I, somebody should ask him about that. Say, hey man, now that, now that you're awesome, and we all know you're awesome. How how bad was that first game you had? And what happened? How did you just transform overnight? It was it was very funny because last year we started the lunch with the coach with Brian Irwin, yeah. the, the former Lamarck head coach. And he literally in the, the first um lunch with the coach, he's like, the middle linebacker can't have zero tackles. If the middle linebacker has zero tackles, you're not gonna be a very good defense. Very and day. the very next well, in the very next week he had eleven. Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. So, uh, I mean, he got off to a slow start against Bama too. Yeah, I, I think it's starting that game. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think that the idea, it, to be honest, is I think it, it just finally clicked. Sometimes it just getting yeah. yourself in there and getting used to being the guy because his sophomore year, Jerry, if you remember, he played quite a bit actually late yeah. in the year. Yeah, but he wasn't a full time guy ever this week. Uh, this year he took to it and. I think he'll start out a little stronger than zero tackles tomorrow. Yeah, Who's going to lead the team in tackles? Yeah, Is it Jalen Ford, both of you guys? Yeah, I got bold? Darren Sorrell. Darren Sorrell, that's good. Oh, you want to be really bold just to have some fun, and then we can get Jerry to go on a rant about his favorite all-time player. Can Darren uh-huh. Murphy be so dominant that he leads the team in tackles from the defensive tackle position like Casey Hampton did <laughs> twice? Twice! <laughs> oh, by the way, Steve Bam Bam McMichael did it too. He did it in like 1978. Can, can Byron Murphy be that guy? Is he that Rod, good? Rod, you played on that team. Casey Hampton had 100 tackles as a nose guard in college football. Who has 100 tackles as a nose guard in college football? I don't know. I don't know how he did it. Cause we were, it makes us look like we were a bad defense, too. We weren't bad. We, it was just, he was so good. He had two hands that were strong and were literally taking guys to the ground with each hand. <laughs> the guy had a motor that I've never seen to this day in high school football at the defensive line position. Never seen a guy with a motor like Casey Hampton to this day. Yeah. Uh, hey, You're this right. is a good one, guys, from Shannon Hanson. I, I like this question. When the season – it's actually a comment, but I agree with it. When the season and everything else like recruiting and questions about development takes care of itself with his staff. 100 uh, on the heels of Dominic McKinley picking AM about 30 minutes ago now, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Rod, you win and the recruits start coming to you a little bit differently, right? Yeah. You, you get seen in a little bit different viewpoint. Yeah. And, and the reason you're winning, most people assume, is because you got good players, players that are playing well. Um, so I, I agree with you. you, you every, all that, that narrative about can they develop NFL talent, all that kind of stuff. Nope, you'll have NFL talent because that's the reason that you're winning a lot of games and guys will get their – they'll get their just due. They'll get their accolades for that. So I agree. Just win, baby. And and, I, I, and then you start that pipeline to the NFL and everything else is gravy. Rod, would you have signed with Texas? <clears throat> hey, you were a senior in high school. Ricky Williams wins the Heisman. Texas goes nine and three, beats the heck out of Jackie Sherrill in the Cotton Bowl. If they had gone four and eight in Max's first year, four and seven, would you have gone to Texas over FSU? No. There you go. I might have been. Aggie said just won the Big 12, didn't he? Exactly. Oof. There you go. Yeah. Brandon Stewart was the quarterback. They only, I think that's the only year they won it, right? Yeah, that's the only year they won it. It was like 98. That's their last conference championship. Yeah, I, my thought on the recruiting <laughs> is. If, if Texas wins 10 games this year, if they get to that 10-win number, they have seven, eight, nine guys drafted. Just remember what that will do for the 25, 26, 27 classes. Oh, yeah. Kids want to see their name. They want to hear their name called on draft day. That's everybody's number one dream when they're leaving high school football and basketball. It's, it's NIL's not number one. It's still number one is to hear your name called on draft day. Amen to that, brother. That's why you can recruit 17-year-olds in 1993 and also in 2023 because they all want that. They all want to win. <laughs> and they all want to win. Yeah, no doubt. I thank Shannon for the super chat. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, we were talking about the the, the number of DBs Texas has. Um, it's interesting. Not only Jaday Barron that we've talked about a lot today, but uh, Gavin Holmes and Terrence Brooks, Ryan Watts. Yes. 
uh, Jalen Catalan, Jaron Thompson, Thompson. Uh, Crawford, as yep. Malik Muhammad, Manny Muhammad, the freshman out of South Oak Cliff. A mm-hmm. uh, lot of lot of talk about him this offseason because he's been turn, creating turnovers. What this? What does it take? Does it take something like creating turnovers for a freshman to up unseat an upperclassman? Is that what no, it takes? No splash play, especially when you're a defense, defensive coordinator and your head coach has been emphasizing that, right? And you seem to be one of those havoc-minded players. You think ball first. You look for ball first. I talked about this at nauseum, right? Some guys are just programmed differently in that regard. And he's, from what I think I heard, he seems to be one of those guys. But also, he's man, this is a guy that's a he's, – he's a, he's, a tech, he's a technician. I, I love that about his game. Uh, this is a guy that can play straight up man-to-man, and he – Takes, he takes his uh, craft seriously, <laughs> um, and that's what that's what Sarkoon. Sarkoon is a man-to-man, not a shut necessarily a shutdown corner, but a guy that can be a technician playing man-to-man press, man-to-man at the line of scrimmage. And Malik Muhammad is one of those guys, and translates to being a boundary or a field. So I love his game. I love his game. He's not like me. You know, I, I said I was a technician, but I was more focused on the man and defending the man. Um, he seems to be a guy that can transition from defending the man to being a ball hawk. Um, and those guys are important. Like I said, those guys are just you don't you don't coach that. That is, I've talked about how Derek Johnson, Michael Huff, Nathan Vasher, those guys came into the program as ball hawks. And everything that I've seen at the NFL level, you don't teach that. You can you can get better with your ball skills, but ball hawk that's up here. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's you believing you got a right to the football when it's in the air. Hey, Vivek asked this question: uh, Who will be the question. who will be the better college player player and drafted higher, Muhammad or Derek Williams? Wow. Okay, can I say something on this one? Of course. Okay. We've listened to Steve Sarkeesian signing day press conferences. Now three classes. One time has he said a kid could – they think he could be a first-round pick at a press conference on signing day, and that was Derek Williams. And then Michael Griffin said the same thing on LHN signing day show. I've been doing this a long time, Bobby. You have too. You don't hear that very often on signing day. People make proclamations not, like that. Derek Williams' upside's ridiculous. <laughs> not head coaches because they have to live up to it. That's right. They go. We love our signing class, but they won't go and put numbers on things. Great point. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because okay, how they're going to utilize them is what I want to know, right? Because for some reason, the NFL and I, I disagree with the NFL in this regard. They don't see safety as a premium position. Like one of the premium positions, that's quarterback, that's wide receiver, that's, you know, the pass rusher, the left tackle, that's your, you know, I mean, those are your premium positions in the NFL. And they don't view safety as one of those. And I I think, obviously, Dan Quinn, he disagrees. Dan Quinn uses more three safeties than any team in the NFL. Um, so I wonder how they're going to use him because you just use him as a, you know, kind of a traditional safety. He's not going to create enough value, draft stock, you know, draft stock value in a sense. I think you use them, move them around. You're putting them in the box. You're putting them in the slot. You're putting them deep as a center fielder. You're showing off his skill set, which I think he has that kind of very skill set. Yeah, he can accumulate that kind of uh, value in the draft. Jose Rodriguez, uh, Jerry, you said Nayor earlier. Before Nayor got hurt, people forget he was Ewer's favorite receiver that he had an instant chemistry with, hoping he comes back strong. I think we all are. Yeah. Um, okay. And I hope that we see a guy that's closer to what he started out as uh, because his knee injury a year ago. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm anxious to see. That's one of the players I think we all want to see out there on Saturday. Like, well, Here's why Nayor, Nayor has got favorable opportunities this year. He's not one of the first three out on the field. So if he comes out there, the the DBs are already going to be a little less than 100%, a little winded, right? He comes onto the field and he's got favorable matchups because he is going to be fresh and ready to roll. If you come in the second series on a hot day in college football and those DBs just had a six, seven, eight play drive and they're having to run with the first team Texas receivers all over the football field, Isaiah Nair is going to walk into some great situations as a guy who can get vertical on people. Remember that when you watch him uh, early in the season, I think, especially against Wyoming, maybe. Let's see what happens. Oh. He used to play for. I liked, uh, I'm, yes, sir. I'm, we have to put that up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't yes, say it out. Do. We won't say it out loud at this. Uh, but remote. we agree. We agree. <laughs> but we agree. But we agree. Hey, there's people are asking about Rod's hat. It won't stop on the comments. <laughs> hey, uh, this one from uh, Aloha Tribal. Hey, fellas. Aloha from Kauai. Would um, like. 
to get each of your opinions on Cedric Baxter and if he's truly elite level back, what is his ceiling this year? I believe that Jonathan Brooks is going to be the starter tomorrow. That's what my sourcing says as of right now. However, I think that Cedric Baxter is running back number two. And they're going to use two. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. Use, they're going they to use two backs. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I, I, I think Cedric Baxter's ceiling, his ceiling may be higher overall uh, than Jonathan Brooks. Uh, but Jonathan Brooks, man, is really impressive. I, he's got some some nice, uh, you know, moves and the way to break tackles. I've seen him at the elite level break tackles. So I'm interested to see what he's going to do behind the first team offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, what do you think? Do you think Baxter's an elite level back? You saw him in person oh, yeah. in high school. Yeah. I definitely do. And I think it's because of his mental makeup. It's one thing to be 6'1", going to be 225, and have the talent and the feet in the hole. He can jump cut, skip cut. He can get small. He can do all the things you got to do, and he does it as a big back. But it's the mental makeup, guys. I mean, I've told the story before. We have so many people on here uh, that are new every day. When I went to Edgewater High School, and I'll always say this story until he's in the NFL, he had a pulled hamstring. He's a five-star. He's the number one running back in the country. He could have been – a lot of these five-stars have been standing on the sidelines, hanging out, doing whatever. The guy was in the huddle every single play for a two-hour practice, coaching the running back, helping his teammates, being a voice, being a leader. He's got the mental makeup along with the talent to get it done. He's going to be really, really good. All right. Um, I need to take a minute to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, that's Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to own your own business and think the franchise opportunity might be for you, contact Andy at – 404-973-9901 or at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He vets all of the franchises across the, the country for you. He owns several himself uh, and then also looks into it, Rod, and tries to figure out what you fit best with with your skill set and the time allotment you have in your life. Uh, www.MyPerfectFranchise.net www.myperfectfranchise.net. We're about an hour into this live stream here from the co-op uh, at uh, the university uh, co-op on the drag mm -hmm. uh, on, on Texas football. I'm Rod. I'm Bobby Burton along with Rod Babers, Jerry Hamilton on the line with us as well. Let's go to a couple of a couple more questions here uh, before we call it. Let's let's go to Todd, uh, Tom plate here. And Jerry, this question's for you. Do you think we waited too late to start getting guys in the recruiting class that now we are running out of elite recruits to get on board, and that makes every loss a huge one? No, I think that's all part of recruiting nationally the best players you can. Uh, I mean, I think that's what it is. I mean, look, Texas has 16 commitments right now. They're looking at a class of 23, 24 guys. Um, so I, I, I don't think Texas – I mean, they've had a couple of guys they lost that they'd like to have. Uh, maybe they've turned down some guys that are really good players to go after the best of the best. Uh, but everybody's got to remember this. When when you're a blue blood, Texas, what we've been talking about, they have five guys in the portal, four guys are starting. I mean, and Trill Carter's not a starter, and he played 500-plus snaps, as honorable mention, all Big Ten player last year. When you're a blue blood, you have a different luxury in recruiting. Always remember that nowadays with the portal is that you can swing for the fences and you know what? If you don't hit it, if you don't hit it out of the park, you can go in the portal and fill a need, especially at positions like wide receiver, secondary. I mean, you know, there's some positions you can really get healthy uh, with experience in the portal. So I still think Texas is going to have a top 10 class. I don't I'm not really worried about anything in recruiting at this point. And remember this. I mean, think about guys that have flipped in the last two classes. Kelvin Banks, Cam Williams, Anthony Hill go down the list. Warren Roberson was a TCU commit at one time. Uh, I mean, so Texas is uh, – they're on the right guys. They have the right strategy for fans. It may not be the best strategy for following recruiting at the high school level right now, but just remember the Blue Bloods have an advantage because of the portal. I, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. All right, this yeah. one comes from Paul. Why is Ethan Burke a mechanic? I, Ooh, so Blue collar? The, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Steve Sarkeesian yeah. called him. He he was a guy that just got after it every day. So workman, just yeah, a worker. absolutely. And yeah. and they said that uh, Sark made the comment. He called him a, a mechanic because he is he just gets after it all the time, and he's very in tune with what he's supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So he knows how the position is supposed to be played, and he goes out there and tries to do it every single time the right way. Coachable. Yeah, coachable. Yeah. Motor doesn't turn off. We've heard nothing uh, but great things in that regard. 
uh, for, for, uh, I, that can only be a bad comment is if they're talking about him as a poker player, but they're not. They're talking about him as a football player. <laughs> hey, guys, we've got uh, a couple more minutes before. I think that's going to be it for questions for us today. Um, Longhorns play at DKR tomorrow at 2.30. In all seriousness, we got some other uh, videos coming up uh, in the next 24 hours. Uh, we've got the Saturday conversation I'm going to uh, do with Paul tomorrow morning uh, for, before the game. Uh, Rod, you and I do the post-game show. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Hogan's going to be uh, talking about the, the Longhorns uh, at, during the game on the watch with us. Here, here's the, the question I have for you guys. You know, what do you expect tomorrow? And what constitutes a successful year for you for the Longhorns? Oh, Jerry, you can take it first if you want. That's a good one. <laughs> what expecting tomorrow? What constitutes a good season? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, I want to see Texas dominate uh, on the defensive front on first down uh, against the run. Uh, and then on the offensive line, I want to see Sark be able to run the ball when he wants to in, in, in a football game. I think that's so key. Uh, because I do think you're going to see a lot more 11 personnel. They're going to play to Quinn's strengths. Um, and the other thing is I think they trust Quinn to make uh, all the line calls and the changes at the line of scrimmage. And that's huge for his NFL draft stock after this season. What constitutes a good season to me is 10 wins and being ranked around the top 10 and having seven, eight draft picks. I mean, I'm uh, if you do anything beyond that, hey, tip of the cat. Uh, but 10 wins, seven, eight draft picks, this program's headed in the right direction, guys. Yeah, I think the long term, uh, at least the goals for this team are pretty obvious and clear to everyone. Uh, competing for a Big 12 title because everybody's got them, you know, picked as the best team in the Big 12. I ain't saying you got to win it because that's tough. I didn't win one. <laughs> um, and Mac Brown, you know, hey, Mac Brown's an awesome coach, uh, but he only won a couple. And Texas only won three. So just competing for one, that would be a step in the right direction. I think it'd be great if they won it. So I'm with you. I think you win double-digit games. If you're 10-2, and two, that should put you right there. And one of those losses is Bama. That will put you right there in the conversation. Now, it does change if you, you beat Bama and didn't have two losses in Big 12 play. That would upset people. <laughs> yeah. and we're just throwing it out there, that'd be an upsetting 10 and 2. Yeah. Because then you might not be in the Big 12 title, or you might. I'm not sure. It depends on how it goes. I still think you play in a New Year's Bowl, though. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. mean, with ten, if you get you to a 10, 10 and 2. Oh, a 10 win Texas gets in there. Yes. Yeah, Agreed. that's my point. Too attractive. I, I think that's too good. Um, yeah. 10 wins, and I don't care if it's 10 and 3. Like, I'm not a big. Lose the ball game, too? Yeah. Oh, okay. or be 9 and 2, or 9. Nine and three prior to the bowl game. Mm, okay, yeah. I okay. think the ten wins matters. To Double me. digit wins. Yeah, I Double think digit that, wins. So it puts you in a different category, right? Yeah, just get there. Yeah, I mean that—that's what I'm looking for season wide. I think overall, though, what I'm really looking for, uh, somehow, some way, if this is possible, is for Texas tomorrow uh, to just be dominant, be a dominant football team, come out crisp, clean, uh, do things that a dominant football team does, wipe the mat with the team. Put them, put them out of their misery early and get after it. Play to a standard. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's good. Not to your competition. Yeah, absolutely. One last one last uh, super chat came in from Kevin Nye. Uh, he came in late. He mentioned earlier, so he wanted to know about this. Hey, guys, I noticed Zena Umiozulu is announcing on Wednesday, and he will be at the Rice game. Is that a good sign? I, I'm going to go with a one-word answer. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what I've been told. Uh, we will see if that turns out because he's still got uh, other teams that are recruiting him, including Oklahoma and Texas A&M, and we saw what happened with Dominic McKinley earlier today. Mm. Uh, but that will be it for today from the, the co-op. Oh, Thank man. you to the co-op, by the way, for hosting us here and let us ha yeah. have the, the live stream here. It's something that we wanted to do, and uh, they were very gracious to make that hap uh, happen. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, for uh, Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton, and this has been On Texas Football, Longhorn Livestream. Hook them. Hook them. <laughs>